previously on See You in Another Life, Brothers. Ugh, well that sucked. Some special chosen one I am. Ah, don't let it get you down, bro. Ben was just trying to embarrass you. Embarrass me? You mean that wasn't an official Others Initiation Ceremony? No, you think any of us would willingly do all that? You're crazy. So, when he made me put on a toga and steal the Dharma Initiative's mascot? Yeah, those crazy hippies were pretty pissed. You're telling me. Oh, and I can't believe you got me to invite Jack to go on a camping trip. Yeah, and like the way he just like looked at you, and then he just looked at Juliet, and then just said, Not yet. <laughs> what was that? Oh, and uh, by the way, how are your feet? Yeah, still sore. Why'd I have to be barefoot? Oh, no. Oh, and why'd I let him make me con Mary from Jasper, Alabama out of her $38,000? Oh, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt me. Yeah, about that. You're gonna want to read this file. Sawyer? What's he got to do with anything? Keep reading. Now, if you'll excuse me, Hurley Jin and I have to go take a leak. Welcome, one and all, to see you in another life, brothers. The show starring Andy Betcher and co-starring Joe. So I, I yeah. feel like uh, that that pretty much sums it up. We're, we're sometimes we don't introduce ourselves, so I feel like I should do like a late night sort of like. Welcome to See Another Life, brothers, and tonight, Andy Betcher is your host, and our our special guests are uh, Harrison Ford, and, uh, you know, what do you we think? We got him. We got Harrison <laughs> Ford. We were just talking about Harrison Ford before we jumped on, so that's why. There's no Harrison Ford on the episode, um, to clarify out there, so yeah. don't, get, don't get all excited. Um, mm. I know people just... Their ears just perked up, and now they're really mad, so they're probably going to stop listening. I just yeah. screwed us for this episode, basically. Everyone knows you come to a Lost Rewatch podcast to learn what Harrison Ford's been up to recently, but not not ours, I guess. I feel like he'd have a really interesting take on Lost. I feel like he'd have a very grounded, sort of like gruff, kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. that just is what it is sort of type perspective on it which would be kind of refreshing because i know i kind of get out there with my thoughts um and he'd, he'd be there to pull me back in and just say hey man it's a tv show and I, it, i'd appreciate that if uh if harrison ford sat in on our conversations where we talk about lost for uh, uh much longer than normal people would he would probably just be sitting there like you guys are a couple of bozos, you know? <laughs> That's what he would say. Well, no, he would just sit there with his arms crossed and every now and then I'd look over and he'd just be judging me. And, like, and that would make me want to go quick and be like, okay, let's let's wrap this up sooner. Um, so our episodes would be shorter. Yeah. Um, if you were sitting there. Maybe that's what we should do. We should just imagine that Harrison Ford is sitting there looking at us. Just um, looking at us being like, this is what you do with your time? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Harrison. 
but this is such a good episode. It's the brig. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's so much here. And he's like, I don't care. It's a TV show. Yeah. I was Indiana Jones and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd be like, you, you're right. I was the president in a movie. And I said, get off of my plane. Oh, man. I, I don't know why movie. my, yeah. I don't know why my Harrison Ford is like a like a old timey prospector for his kind of. It's not. It's not a good Harrison Ford. I think that's what he's playing right now in one of the. I think he's in a Yellowstone spinoff. I, I don't know right. what it's called, yeah. but maybe that's how he talks. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. But if he were here right now, he'd be pissed. <laughs> you gotta watch Pluto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, he probably wouldn't care. He'd be like, "That's right." Because he's yeah. pretty low key, you know. Yeah. Well, this has been an episode of what Harrison Ford would be like if he were here. Um, <laughs> and, but, but now let's return to our regular, regularly scheduled programming. See you in another Life Brothers, starring Andy Butcher and Joe. All right, so the brig, the brig, yeah, the brig. This oh, episode. Whenever I think about like season three, I go, this was the season where they just suddenly out of nowhere dropped an episode on us that just flat out moved characters forward <laughs> centuries, basically. Yes. <laughs> they just out of nowhere, this thing, like Sawyer's has some major character development suddenly, and I love it. It's fantastic. Fantastic. This episode is interesting for me because um, I feel like it's one of those episodes that has always been kind of popular and viewed as like one of the one of the great, you know, like season three. Yeah. It's like this one, and then there's like here through the end of season three, it's just a bunch of good episodes, it feels like, you know? Yeah. Um and I've, until now, uh, until like this viewing for the podcast, I I was never like that into it, um, which is interesting because I, I feel like the reason for it is because it is such a dark episode um, and I just always associated it with like, oh, like Sawyer kills Anthony Cooper, you know, like it's so, it's so dark, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, spoiler alert. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Sorry, spoilers. But uh, yeah. um, <laughs> people start the episode and then go watch the full episode and come back. I I always yes. forget. But yes, um, yes. <laughs> um, but this viewing that you know, I watched it twice before we talked about it. And the first yeah. time I watched it, you know, I try to watch and just enjoy, and then the second time, kind of like take notes and stuff. First time watching it, I was baffled by how good it was <laughs> yeah i was just like oh my gosh this episode like tonally and pacing and everything is just exactly what it should be i feel like um in order to like accomplish what they set out to accomplish which is essentially like a lock slash sawyer episode mm -hmm. Which is amazing that they accomplished that and balanced it and uh, made it work the way it does. And it, and it's like got really cool um, elements that 
are throughout the episode like the the end of the episode is a satisfying conclusion to the whole story you know it's a it's a self-contained story in itself while advancing these characters like you said like very far um Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's a really good episode (laughs) yeah what i love about it is season three i'm really noticing and it's very appropriate and what they're doing with flashbacks like since we're Mm -hmm. coming to the end of flashbacks throughout the you know we're we're about to move toward flash forwards and really you know they're you felt like they're running out of ideas with flashbacks we've seen Mm -hmm. that with like stranger in a strange land but here i feel like this sort of is where the flashback and the present they converge finally Mm. this is kind of the definitive um episode for their basically for their thesis statement i'd say that the show has to say about what the purpose of flashbacks are Mm. for the show um it it it's it's showing what the purpose of you know your past and the present converging on this island specifically and how it's all supposed to come together Hmm. for good like we're Hmm. seeing we've seen like flashbacks that can hold characters back we've seen like people still just reliving their past making little bits of little strides forward from their past but here john locke is very much he's they as ben puts it when we jump into you've brought your past here now here we yeah. are here's here's the flashback is on the island finally. that's cool and in that sense we're seeing okay so now he very much has to literally confront it other characters have to had to metaphorically confront their past because they're mm-hmm. presented with similar situations but Locke has to confront it literally and uh, i love what they have to say about how you overcome your past Mm. how you finally because that's what ben says you have to kill your father to move forward yeah um and so we're gonna see what they have what they have to say what is the lost answer to that Mm. um, in this episode yeah so i think that's enough preamble why don't we jump into this thing um talk about Talk about John Locke here. Um, not, I won't call these flashbacks. I'll just call them, you know, on the island. We're, we're going to run through it in kind of chronological order. Because mm-hmm. really, we're picking up right where we left off before when we last saw Locke, where <laughs> we opened the door. Dad, what? <laughs> um, and uh, you learn that in this scene, the first thing you learn, most importantly, is that um, you don't, pull uh, a gag off of an uh, old crazy con man because he's a biter he bites yeah in the words I... of number two. Oh yeah <laughs> anyway it's so it's always uh it always makes me cringe when i see him reach for it it's like oh don't don't do it with your hand right there come on mm-hmm. but i think all it would have been better if um like you know tom's there and Richard's, if like he don't do it, John, and they did it, and then you turn around and you see all of them there, all their hands are bandaged. He's <laughs> all of their, that would have been better. Like he's a biter, he bites. 
he's a biter, John. Come on, don't do it. But so, the, but in, in seriousness, the most important part of the scene I see is that Ben, from the beginning, as you already mentioned in the last episode, the magic box. But what Ben says here is that lock. You tell us, John. You brought him here. You brought him here. Um, mm-hmm. He's saying that it's it's he's putting it all on John. This is your. We didn't bring him here, even though you know the truth is they did. He he he's trying to put John in that mindset of like bringing the guilt on him, like you brought your father here. Mm-hmm. And Ben is as we see, he's playing on John's weakness, like. We know his father has done a number on him. Mm-hmm. And so he's really trying to hammer that home here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The The whole thing is Ben once again playing mind games in a way with John. Um, and I love how this episode kind of, as, as we see this unfold, um, you know, near the end, we hear from Richard that like a, Ben wants to embarrass John and stuff. And you can see that more clearly in a rewatch, like from the beginning, like you were saying, you know, he's putting this all on, on lock um, and just building towards that big embarrassing moment, you know? Um, Yeah. You can, you can kind of see the scheme uh, from the beginning here with, uh, with Ben in, in hindsight, but. And one of the, the ways you can look at this is that Ben, so by, you know, saying, John, you brought him here. Ben is shaming John Locke for wanting to have a father mm. in a way. That's the way he's saying, John, you're weak. You want to have a father. That's not right. John, you want it. You should have to kill your father. Yeah. Um, so I just want to put that out there. We'll, we'll keep looking at that as we go here. Um, the other thing about this scene is that is Anthony's line where he says, don't you know where we are? Oh, yeah. I, I really like this sub theme that they have going through here that Anthony keeps bringing up the idea that the, the, the island is hell. Mm-hmm. Like we're in hell. Um I love it because for one, you know, it's playing on fan theories. Probably people are like, "Oh, they are in hell. They are in hell." Yeah, or they're you know in purgatory or whatever. Um, but it's also that's the the con. He's you know he's the manipulator character. His perspective on it is that this place, well, clearly, you know, I'm dead, so naturally I go to hell. <laughs> it's his perspective and he seems fine with it mm-hmm. so that's kind of fascinating too as we go through it anthony's not all that obviously he's a little distraught about being bound and gagged and everything mm-hmm. but when he says we're in hell he kind of seems fine with that and so yeah. i just want to explore that too especially when we get to the scene with him and sawyer there talking about that um so that, i find that fascinating as well yeah yeah, well, and just like at kind of a meta level, it's really cool the that the writers of Lost planned to have this episode follow, you know, the cliffhanger of like 
they found the plane yeah. and everyone yeah, was dead yeah, inside yeah. of it. Um, so that we could have an episode where a character says, oh, his plane crashed and ev- everyone died or whatever. You know, like the whole, like they can have a character come from the real world and, you know, the outside world and say like, oh, obviously this is hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and have it land with much different weight than if we hadn't heard from Naomi before. That's just awesome storytelling. Yeah, it's brilliant timing. This this episode is brilliantly placed right mm-hmm. here. They did a very good job. Yeah, that yeah, it's very clever as well. And he, I mean, I can't I can't put myself in that back in that perspective. Oh yeah, you're, you're thinking about it like from a fan just like watching, going, "Wait a second, this could be actually true." But yeah, that I mean, when you so first fun. watch it, you go, "Oh, that's that's wild." Mm-hmm. They could actually all be dead, hmm. and some people still think they were all dead. <sighs> anyway, not get into that. Not uh, not to trigger um, us as fans. <laughs> lost, us as... trigger, trigger lost fans. You get, that's how you do it. Yeah, defenders of the finale unite. <laughs> no, everyone dies sometimes. Some long before. Some. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so, um. Next scene in chronological order is uh, setting up camp with Cindy. Hey, remember Cindy? She's with the others now, and she seems pretty cool with it. Like, just, I'm here. And Oh, yeah, and she, we saw her talking to Jack too earlier. But, yeah, once again, Cindy's just like, man, we've been waiting for you. Not weird at all. Do you think there was ever a thought of like having an episode where sorry this is so random but just thinking of the character of cindy and how weird it is to see her here yeah uh, i i just had the thought like wouldn't it have been interesting if they did an episode that was like the other 48 days but it was just what happened to Mm -hmm. cindy you know just her story like that would be so interesting, <laughs> you know, because we just get these glimpses of like, oh, she's with the others here. And then, oh, she's eventually at like the temple later and stuff, you know, in season mm-hmm. like six. But just her trajectory as a character is so interesting because we don't really know what it was like for her. But yeah. 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 Is she brainwashed? What happened here? <laughs> like, like, yeah. Now she's just kind of cool with being with the others. I mean, she's got a pretty easy life going. You're just kind of hanging out with those, with mm-hmm. being led by Ben around the island, and you get to live in, you got to live in with front yards for a while there anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. She's uh, she's like Locke. She's on her own journey now. So, Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But her line, we've been waiting for you, uh, is such a loaded line. Mm. uh within the context of the whole series uh, yeah it, and i was thinking about it and richard explains it later in the episode that we all heard that you know there was a man on the plane who was paralyzed and that now he could walk and you're like okay that in that sense yeah obviously boy well that guy he's special like mm-hmm. they're saying and so in that sense they want to but i was also thinking about it in kind of the context of where we're going and once we get to uh time travel in season five like mm. you know John oh, Locke yeah. walks into the other's camp in, 19, in the 1950s and uh, 
I just think about that as well. It's like this guy seems like he is the chosen one. He's traveling through time. He's he can walk. He's you know, uh, uh-huh. and so we've been waiting for you. And also the fact that they've been waiting for him. Why have they been waiting for him? If he is this chosen one. That's a good point. What's going on? And it speaks to the fact that, as Richard explains it later, Ben doesn't want anyone really to think John's special. And John's kind of finally forced his hand by showing up at his front door. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, now I have to prove that this guy isn't all he's cracked up to be. So got to bring the man from Tallahassee. Yeah. You know, I I initially thought you were going to go a different place with like thinking of the whole scope of the show. Um, because that, that line we've been waiting for you, uh, is what, at you know, going way oh, that's forward, right. that's the yes. last line of the series that Locke says to Jack. Um, and isn't that kind of just a interesting theme for Locke as a character, like that he mm-hmm. wants to be at a place where, you know, where people have been waiting for him. Um, like yeah. that's in a way what he's longing for and it's kind of cool that at the end of the series he's the one who says Mm -hmm. that to someone else but um yeah yeah, Mm. but that's that's kind of even though he's uneasy here and he's trying to figure out what's going on i think that's part of what Locke wants to to be affirmed that he is you know wanted somewhere yes yes um and yeah, it's it's another one of those tragic lost Earth lock stories where that's what he most desperately kind of wants and uh and yet it's being taken from him too at the same time. Like there's a scheme by Ben to not actually let that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Locke has been told he's special. He's been told that before and it just kind of stuck with him and he wants to be spe- he wants because he does believe he has faith that he is special. Um, and now Ben is playing on that when he comes into Ben's tent there in this next scene. And Ben says, well, John, well, first we have the moment that you were mentioning in DOC where, you know, he's listening to the tape recorder. Oh, yeah. Doesn't get to the end where she says, I hate my, <laughs> um, and tells him about, just tells Locke about the whole plan to take the pregnant woman, you know, whatever, you're not gonna do a thing about it. Um, but then, he says, John, I'm healing because of you, which mm-hmm. maybe there's some truth to that a little bit, but he uses it and he says, he immediately says, well, John, you're special, but I can't wait to show you what this island can do. Mm. You're not ready, though, but I'm your Yoda. I'm the guy who's uh, going to do this for I, I, I hold the gate. I'm the gatekeeper. I'm mm-hmm. the man behind the curtain. In the next episode, we'll find. <laughs> yeah, that. but uh, he's, um, you know, he's he's dragging him along, like spinning him along. Like I have, I've got you under my control, Locke, and he does. Locke mm-hmm. can't quite because Locke is desperate to find some answers. But as he said in the scene before this, when he was, he's like, "We're gonna go to a very old place, John. You want to come?" Of course mm. he wants to come. John is enamored with this island. And to mm. think that you have all the answers is great. So he's just conning him along here, being mm. the manipulator. Yep. Um, and then once again, 
very subtly in this scene, he puts that idea in Locke's head again. Why do you think you brought him here? Um, mm. And yeah, Locke's, Locke's like the magic box. Magic box is a metaphor. You really brought him here, John. And now you have to kill him. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. Yeah. I I love... So this this is the thing that one of the things of this episode that really made me just kind of stunned at how much I liked it um, was the way Ben's choice of words here, um, because he says, you know, like John says, like, oh, I'm I'm ready, you know, to see everything. He says, no, no, you're not. You're still crippled by the memories ah, of the man yes. you're used to you used to be before you came to this island. Um he's still the the choice of words for crippled you were crippled uh like you are still crippled by Mm -hmm. um what your father did to you and you'll never be free um until you release the hold that your father has over you you know like these ideas of like Locke is still he's walking but uh ben says he's still a cripple um because because of what his father did his father put him in a wheelchair but um even though he's out of it he's still internally crippled um and it's interesting to think like i wonder i think Locke, even though even though Locke needs to kill his father i guess in order to move forward with his story like with his journey with the others yeah. I think there's part of Locke that also believes that it's true that he needs to he does need to like move past his his past. Um and it's even though Ben is manipulating him and he wants to, you know, embarrass him in front of everyone, I think there is a, a truth to what Ben says that Locke is not free from his father yet um and so that's just a really the those ideas of like he is crippled and he is still um n- he won't be free until he can move past this i think those are very true elements of the episode but you bring up a very good point when he says you're still crippled mm-hmm. he's very he's you're still crippled john you're crippled mm-hmm. like nothing has changed yeah and that's the point Ben is banking on that. He's like, "There's no- nothing mm. has changed. Now kill your father." He's not going to do it because John's yeah. still crippled. Um, and so something has to change. Like that's the subtle. Like you're right. Everything Ben's saying is right, but nothing. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do that unless something changes. When when did John Locke finally start to get past his father? When he mm. met Helen. When he found Helen, something's got to change, but John's still on his own, so he doesn't have his Helen. Um, yeah. And the other thing I, uh, that's fascinating about this is when Ben says, when people join us here on this island, they have to make a gesture of free will, of commitment. Um, that's why you're going to have to kill your father. And right before that, he also says, you're going to have to do it to prove you're one of us once mm. again. <laughs> That phrase is there. Yeah. Um, uh, this is fascinating for a few reasons. One, because is that true? 
do you does everyone have to do that um right i don't think so but maybe mm-hmm. but it's also fascinating because ben is saying okay what the others are all about is cutting off your past completely and we think about that with juliet like mm. very literally they've cut her from her past even though she's mm-hmm. one who like of all the characters on Lost, she's one that didn't need to be cut off from her past but right. ben's just doing that ben is taking full control and saying everyone who comes here has to do this mm-hmm. i'm it's it's a power move it's not a helpful move um mm-hmm. and so this is where we see like the one of us for the to be the one of us for the others means to be in a cult to be one of us for with like our group that we know like jack says is to be kind of the one who ones who want to you know get off that island and and actually grow together yeah um even though jack didn't really fully understand what he's saying with one of us but yeah so we see the difference here um in this line Uh, Mm -hmm. the others are a cult is the long and short of it (laughs) yes (laughs) yes definitely yeah and we really see that in the next scene, which is sort of one of the more um, eerie <laughs> scenes in Loss. <laughs> yeah, sort of like a like a kind of out of a one of those horror, almost like a kind of a twenty four ish, you know, like a movie like, like Midsummer, uh, Midsummer, yeah. something like that. Now we're gonna take you up in the middle of the night, John, and you're gonna kill your father here in front of everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Poor John. It's, you just think about actually waking up to that and yeah he's setting him up for failure in all sorts of ways he's groggy it's middle of the night he hasn't gotten enough sleep mm-hmm. I mean, john's gotta think but he can't just do it john <laughs> well it's interesting i saw um online I, when i was reading stuff about this episode somewhere it pointed out that um in a previous episode ben said i think to either to Jack or to Locke, I can't remember. He said, like, we're not murderers, you know, talking about the others. Mm, mm. And isn't that kind of interesting going into this scene? Like, you know, he tells Locke, you know, we all, uh, everyone has to make a gesture of free will, you know, like that whole thing. And it's like, so is he asking Locke to do something that none of them were required to do. Like he's putting a heavier weight (laughs) on Locke Mm -hmm. than everyone else was required to do or what, you know, like, and, or was he lying about (laughs) they're, they're not murderers before. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just kind of the, the mystery of the others is a fascinating part of the show. Um, like what their actual culture is as kind of this weird cult thing. Um, but yeah, this is a this is one of the darker scenes of the series and, and eerier scenes, definitely. Yeah, there's little subtle things in the scene that on the surface you could you could watch the scene and think Ben is really trying to help John. Like this is sort of like tough love therapy sort of thing. Like you just just do it, John. Just yeah, you know, like full on. But the fact that he undoes the gag on Anthony's mouth. He says, yeah. "Okay, now kill him," and then he makes makes it so he can talk to him. <laughs> like that's yep. not helping. It, it's going to be a lot tougher to kill him when you got this manipulator 
I, I love what I love about it. it's it's two manipulators up on the on the podium, and it, it's two on one basically. You're, yeah, you're, you're outnumbered, John. You you got nothing here because <laughs> you're a, you're a level as we've seen before. You're optimal for coercion, and you got these two guys um, talking to you from either side. Uh, ben kind of reverse psychology type of thing going don't you want to be free of him and you know like mm-hmm. by by saying all this you're actually making it harder for him yeah. as, as opposed to making it easier for him yeah like he said like he he brings up walk like you were you couldn't walk on your walkabout tour like he's he's right. bringing up the past he's he said mm-hmm. you he threw out a window he's 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 heaping the flashbacks on john like mm-hmm. And, and making them very much real again for him, even though he he'd moved, he's on the island now and he's away from them. Mm-hmm. Like he's still crippled by that. Yeah. Well, and and the way he phrases it is so is is very clever and manipulative. The you know, like the the part of you, you know, oh, what is it? it? You know, where he's saying like that's just the part of you that thinks. Uh, that still feels like he has a perfectly good explanation for stealing your kidney, for throwing you out of an eight story window, you know, like all that stuff. That's like, so, uh, so cleverly put to be, um, making Locke's inner conscience sound stupid, (laughs) you know, or to sound foolish. Um, like there's part of you that is just so, uh, manipulated or you know don't you want to be free of that manipulation while he's manipulating him you know yeah um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah just he's basically he's saying you're stupid for yes having these these thoughts once again bringing up the fact that he's stupid for wanting mm-hmm. to have a father ultimately mm-hmm. yeah this is such a this is like the most traumatic it's like this is your father who's done all this to you mm-hmm. and ben's like no just kill him like, come on, just just kill him. Like, yeah. There's nothing. There's no empathy there. Um. And he's calling him a sad, pathetic little man. You'll still be that same sad, pathetic little man who was kicked off his walkabout tour because you couldn't walk. Like, mm-hmm. and de- belittling him too. Um. So no wonder, John is completely paralyzed at this point. He's he's crippled. Yeah. He's still crippled. Yep. And then the kicker of all kickers, just the most, the, yeah, like ultimate um, humiliation. I'm sorry, he's not who we thought he was. And then the hmm. walk of shame afterwards, just like, it reminds you, like, this is who John, I mean, as as much as we are hard on John Locke, <laughs> yes. for all the boneheaded moves and everything, ultimately, <laughs> he's still, you know, such a tragic character oh, who's yeah. had such a, tough hand dealt toward him with how he was you know his upbringing and everything and just guys like ben linus and Mm -hmm. um his boss randy nation (laughs) oh yeah like that where we've seen along the way keep putting him down anthony cooper like john's Mm -hmm. always had these types in his life that are just uh kicking him kicking him while he's down yeah yeah for all the all the times we talk about Locke being a boneheaded guy, uh, yeah, he's he's a truly sympathetic, tragic character. You you, mm-hmm. you feel for him for sure. 
And I think that's what makes this episode, like you said, this is such a good episode because yeah. they bring you there. They bring you, they they make you remember why you root for John Locke mm-hmm. in this episode. And Terry O'Quinn is fantastic in this throughout. Yeah, Like his performance as always, but I mean, you really see kind of the emotion and just the, the anguish and in different spots. That mm-hmm. It's just really good. Yep. And that brings us to the next scene with, hey, it's Richard Alpert. Remember that guy? The guy who, uh, we, we don't know it yet, but uh, I don't know if you know this, but he doesn't age. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I, that, that guy doesn't age. I love, I'm just looking at the transcript online, and it's yeah. kind of fun with him, his first lines in this scene being, you know, uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? No matter yeah. how much time you spend on the island. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's very You clever. just never get tired of this view. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, we find out next episode that he doesn't age. Anyway, um, so <laughs> and one episode, I just remembered that. But yeah, no, that's clever. Like, yeah, they And I also like, before, even before that, the fact that John Locke, that Locke's hand, they just show, his hand heals really quickly. Like, John's oh. still he, the island is still healing John. That's what I love. Like that's cool. Even though he's not who we thought he was, in the very next scene we see, yes, he is. He's he's exactly who we thought he was. Yeah. So I, I like that little moment there too. But yeah, Richard mentioning time. That's fun. But one of the more fascinating things that's goes unspoken and is kind of one thing you just kind of have to puzzle out is Richard Alpert's role in this Ben Linus's regime. Yeah. Like as we see here in this scene, he undermines Ben. Mm-hmm. Like he goes and he says, he, he gives John Locke the way out, but he just, he still kind of goes along with Ben being the leader of the others. Yeah. Like all this time he's, he, he it's, 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 it, that for to me that's always been kind of a thing I get hung up on like with the show mm-hmm. I guess he just it just has to happen like this Richard's yeah. part of the others he's kind of got one foot outside the others I guess though because you know he's Jacob's right hand man and he knows Jacob too yeah and I think Richard knows that Ben's never actually met Jacob and yet he says he's meeting Jacob so he lets Ben just boldface lie to these people too yeah so Richard's kind of yeah. Richard's not a great character when you look into it more and more. I mean, yeah, he's he's, he's this fr- this kind of benign guy, this friendly guy overall. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of like a kind of an apathetic sort of presence that's just kind of living. He's not really living, as we finally see. I yeah. think. I think that I'm looking forward when we get to Avaterno because oh, we actually yeah. find out that Richard really has not been living this whole time until he finally starts living. Hmm. And so we kind of see that here, though. But he still wants the best for John Locke. Yeah. And he wants the best for the group. I think he... Yeah, I've always... That's always been an interesting kind of sticking point for the series for me, too, with Richard. and. um, But I do feel like, yeah, you're right. He's he's kind of an apathetic character. And because he asks to live forever basically mm-hmm. because he doesn't he's afraid of dying he's afraid of death yeah and so but living um 
just out of a fear of dying is not really living and i feel like he's kind of a ghost uh throughout the series in a way you know and so that's why he can go along with someone who's doing some truly terrible things in ben linus um and but i i do like the fact that he also still like you were saying is kind of like one foot outside of the others too so that Mm -hmm. he can have a scene like this where he sees that ben is doing something that is not just um to lock and so he's like well you know what let's spice things up a little bit and give Locke a, you know, an upper hand, you know, let him know what's actually going on here. Um, and I think that's, that's just an interesting thing. And I like the fact that Richard becomes a wild card at this point then. And when you put it that way, when you, and they do show him in that scene, when Locke's walk of shame, Richard looks at it and Locke kind of helps Richard here in this episode. By kind of waking him up a little bit, like you're saying. He he sees yeah. an injustice. And he'd been going on with this beforehand, you know. He's just kind of like Ben's right-hand man, bringing him the man from Tallahassee, uncuffing Locke. He's like, he's his henchman. But here mm-hmm. he goes, hmm. And, and he says in the scene, yeah. we're looking for someone to remind us we're here for more important reasons. Yeah. Like, for a second, Richard goes, you know what? Yeah, I remember I'm on this amazing island and it is a beautiful island and mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty amazing. So let's stop worrying about fertility problems and you know, maybe John can be our leader now. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to unlock that unlock, no pun intended. Um unlock <laughs> lock. Um but he's also doing it by making Locke go along with Ben's game. So Locke is still kind of caught in this in the rules of Ben's, you know, Ben, Ben holding all the cards still. So in a way Mm -hmm. he's helping him, but he's also not. (laughs) So anyway, you can get caught up in the, it's convoluted, but anyway. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think all really we would say about this is we've already covered it. He's, you know, Richard reveals that Ben wants to embarrass Locke. He doesn't want everyone to think he's special, as we've already established, because Ben's threatened by John. And then he gives him the folder, and we find out the key is Sawyer? What? You mean the the funny red, redneck guy who's like <laughs> making everyone pissing everyone off with his cons? That guy? He's he's gonna help John? Huh. <laughs> right. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I love how this episode feels. I I feel like th- this is one of the great twists of the series. You know, the whole yeah. Sawyer connection. Because this feels so obvious when you're <laughs> in yeah. hindsight of like, <laughs> keep reading the file. You know, like, why would so- Sawyer want to kill my father? And he's like, keep reading. It's like, oh, well, okay, so... Who does Sawyer want to kill? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and yet they they do such a good job of not making that obvious because the entire episode is framed around Locke mm-hmm. until the turning point when it suddenly becomes a Sawyer episode for a little bit. Um, yep. Yeah, I just think that's kind of brilliant. Yeah, they subtly lead you on a little bit here and there. Who do you mean to kill and things like <clears> that? We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, but. Um... Yeah, they do it very well. 
But before we get there, we got to talk about this scene where Ben finally leaves Locke behind, um, saying, we're going to leave you with your father. It's your mess. Why would we clean it up? Even though, you know, they're the ones, once again, they're the ones that brought him here. Not John, but, you know, mm-hmm. Ben's got to keep hammering that home. You, you brought him here, John. It's your fault that he's this big thing in your life. It shouldn't be this big a deal for you. You should be able to kill him. Um, and even using Locke's line against him. <laughs> yeah. Insult to injury right here. You can't leave. You can't leave after everything. Don't tell me what I can't do, John. In the way that only Michael Emerson could deliver that <laughs> so perfectly. I love that they bring that up here because yeah. Keep this in mind. Later in the episode, they do something that I truly love with Locke's catchphrase. They subtly put it in later, mm. um, but right here. Ben is bringing that up too, I think, to keep Locke crippled because he's reminding him like, you know, that's your thing, right? Don't tell me what I can't do. You can do this. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it on your own. You can do it. No one can do it. So this is you. Now you're, now you're really on your own. Um, And you're not special because everyone makes mistakes. So just Mm -hmm. bringing them down to size again and again. Yep. Yeah. And then, he leaves him with that, uh, you know, John, unless you're carrying your father's body on your back, don't bother following us, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so, I don't know. There's just something about the fact that Ben is, Ben is not just like, you have to kill him, mm-hmm. but also he's like, you need to bring his body and prove it, you know, like such a harsh kind of, you know, um, you need to, you need to prove yourself now by, dragging your father's dead body across the the island like ugh, such a such a dark uh thing absolutely lock is let and like how they the, the shot at the end of that flashback where they yes and the everyone's walking away and john is left there just kind of looking down and once again you're reminded he's the guy who was i, I keep thinking of this is an episode we haven't gotten to yet, but eventually mm. we'll get to Cabin Fever in season four, mm. where they do kind of a, a greatest hits with John Locke, except they're his worst hits, and it's him. There's a there's a flashback of him in high school getting jammed into a locker, and I'm like, that's who this oh, guy is. He was a weeble, yeah. remember? He's a yeah. He's John is just the unpopular kid. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's that basic and sad. Um, yeah. And Ben is just kicking him while he's down. Mm-hmm. These people were waiting for him, and now mm-hmm. they're, they're they see him. they've made a mistake, so they're leading, leaving. Yeah, yeah. It makes you want to root for John. Mm-hmm. Want him to get his due. Want him to have something good. So hopefully, John will have something good. And I think that's as good a cliffhanger as any to leave us off on before we get more into the brig but why don't we take a break uh and we will be right back with more see you in another life brothers after this welcome back to see you in another life brothers and you made a point Andy, at the beginning of this episode you were saying that this is kind of a 
you'd call this both a Locke and a Sawyer episode, which mm-hmm. I, I would call it that too, but it is kind of funny. We've just talked about Locke this whole time. So, hey, everyone though, this is, <laughs> trust us, just hold on. This is a Locke and a Sawyer episode. Um, I, I would call it even parts, honestly, even though mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of, it it jumps at you suddenly it's being a Sawyer episode, like you're saying. We very much all of a sudden discover that it is a Sawyer flashback episode as well the flashback becomes on the island um but yeah uh that's what makes this episode so cool so Mm -hmm. the the episode really spends a lot of its time making you think it's a lock episode yeah until like really the climax of everything which is a couple very large scenes of sawyer (laughs) you know and Anthony Cooper, you know, which is, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I like, you know, looking at these scenes that we're going to look at here now, as we get into the present day scenes, mm-hmm. uh, I like looking at them as Sawyer centric scenes as well. Cause the, the, when you look at it that way, it's kind of cool. Like in this first scene, like the yeah. first scene of the episode, Locke is reading Sawyer's flashback. He's reading his past. Hmm. Uh, you don't know it yet, but that's what he's doing. And then what does he do with that past? He burns it. Hmm. Destroys it. Which, very subtly, symbolically, they're saying, this is what we're about to do with James so- with so- with Ford- Sawyer Ford. James Sawyer Ford. I can't talk. With James Sawyer Ford. <laughs> uh, we're about to do it. Um... It's what Locke is trying to do, but Locke, Locke is going to help Sawyer do it as well. And Sawyer doesn't even know it yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's cool. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and then Locke saying, save your breath. No one's going to hear you to Anthony. Um, the fact that uh, Anthony Cooper is kept in the brig of a slave ship uh Mm -hmm. as we find out it's the 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 black rock i love that as well sort of symbolic slave ship like you know people who were manipulated by you know other people who were taken advantage of the ultimate form the fact that this all takes place in the brig is kind Mm -hmm. of this is the heart of the deepest heart of the darkest you know form of you know one person taking advantage of another person. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love that as well. That it's a brilliant choice on their part to do it to bring back the Black Rock. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's a great title for the episode. You know, both in a way, both Sawyer and Locke have been stuck in the brig in a way. Like neither of them can be free because of what this guy has done. Unless they have some sort of closure to that. Um, and that's what the episode's about. And so the next scene, we're introduced to Sawyer um, with Kate, by the way. Kate's in this episode. And oh, yeah. um, so Kate, just for a moment, we'll mention this. She wants to go back to her old tent, her own tent without Sawyer. Uh, because of old habits, as she says. 
I, the only thing I'll say about this, I mean, we can get into the whole love triangle, blah, blah, blah. No, we're not even going to talk about that. <laughs> what we'll say about this is that it, it, what I love about it is that it presents the, the contrast between Kate and Sawyer here. Mm. Because Kate is still holding on. She's still kind of old habits. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. Sawyer is moving forward they're on two different trajectories and they're starting that here and they do it throughout Mm. season four kind of like kate and sawyer on two different paths and you know they're they're together but they're not really Mm -hmm. and uh so it's setting the tone right here for sawyer because sawyer says well yeah i'll go with you to your tent sawyer's ready to be committed sawyer Mm. you know he's as we've seen hurley's helping him become the leader and so we kind of see some of that here a little bit but um, Kate's not ha- still not ready because you know Kate's doing what she does. So that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, that's cool. And then we get this great scene that we can't over, <laughs> we can't brush over. We have to just appreciate this moment. It's um, so good. Where Sawyer says, "What are you guys doing?" And uh, what are you doing? I'm gonna go take a leak. And Hurley, it's Hurley and Jen. Uh, I, the best part of this whole scene, best part, and even when Jen does not have a line in this episode, he's still the best part of this episode because of the he's way so that Hurley says, "Yeah, well, so are we." And the way that he, Daniel Day Kim's standing there with his hands in his pockets, kind of looking down, like <laughs> it's, it's just so funny. It's just great comedy um, in a very dark episode and just a light moment right there. And uh, and Josh Holloway's delivery of, well, alrighty then, is so good. <laughs> not even going to ask any further questions. <laughs> That's not my concern in this episode, so <laughs> you guys keep doing whatever the heck it is you're doing. Fantastic. Great moment. But anyway, we got to keep going with Sawyer. Um suddenly out of nowhere getting confronted as he's just trying to take a leak by a crazy bald man what the holding the gun no point well no sorry pointing the gun at him that's right mm-hmm. but um just out of nowhere just suddenly coming back like okay john Locke's here great i just want to go back to bed it is pretty cool thinking of the fact that like Locke hasn't been in the last couple episodes you know and just thinking of like when this aired on tv that's a pretty cool opening to suddenly just be like oh lock it he's there at the camp what's going on you know like and uh so that was kind of a cool it feels random almost in a rewatch to be like hello james and then it goes straight to you know the (laughs) the opening title you know but like that's a pretty cool cliffhanger like what what is Locke up to, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I love about this scene is that Locke cons the con man. Once again, Sawyer. Yes. I, I'd like to go back and count how many times Sawyer gets conned throughout, <laughs> like, lost. Because <laughs> he's the confidence man, yet he gets conned, I think, more than he cons people. Because um, <laughs> Hurley gets him. I think Jack gets him one time. And Locke gets ben him Ben gets here. him. Ben gets him. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. as he mentions later. 
Uh, but yeah, Sawyer's basically like, yeah, so Locke's like, yeah, I uh, I infiltrated the others. Because that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> How would you do that? I, I, I gotta say, <laughs> you know, I, we mentioned earlier, you know, we always like to point out Locke's boneheaded moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, Locke in this episode is pretty cool. Like, pretty he does a good job. Yeah. Like, yeah. and this is one of the most successful Locke episodes, if you think about it. Like, especially thinking chronologically, from where he begins to where he ends, he sets out to do something and he accomplishes it in a pretty skillful way, honestly, yes. <laughs> you know? And so that makes it a pretty great Locke episode, just thinking of how many Locke episodes are just pure tragedy, you know? Like, And this is still tragedy in a way but like yeah it's it's an interesting episode because he he actually skillfully like gets sawyer to do something that like is unbelievable you know to follow him into the woods in the middle of the night and then go kill his father (laughs) you know like and he does it (laughs) and he yeah he, he, uh, he expertly like you know picks Ben says I've got Ben hostage she knows that's that's gonna get it yep. his attention um and then just subtly throughout when they're walking through the jungle like um I'm not like he's like why don't you do it I'm not a murderer well neither am I except for the man you kill in Sydney mm-hmm. like Locke so Locke does what Ben was doing interestingly enough in these before when he's actually he's bringing up the flashbacks he's bringing the flashbacks to the island yeah but whereas ben was doing that to try to cripple john you feel like Locke is doing this here especially when he mentions like in the next scene he says it doesn't say why your father shot your mother and then turned the gun on himself yeah and then he says that must have been hard for you like there's a there's a legitimate moment of like he's not there's no condemnation there it's just flat out mm-hmm. empathy and i think that's that's why sawyer even though sawyer's kind of pissed like why bringing all this up it affects him you clearly mm-hmm. see it and it keeps him moving forward whereas Locke, it, it held him back um cuz they're two different types of characters I want to point mm-hmm. this out here. Locke is the farmer. Mm. Sawyer is the hunter. Mm, that's um, interesting. And I say that, and not to jump, I, I don't, don't stop me if you had something on any of these scenes here, but mm. I just want to point out this moment where Sawyer get finally gets pissed off and says, he's like, okay, you're, you're trying to, no, you're still you're still trying to manipulate me. How stupid do you think I am? I got conned by Ben once. Yeah. Like, uh, and then Locke says, but, but he says, "Why won't you do it yourself?" Sawyer says. And then Locke says, "Because I can't. I can't do it. That's why I came back for you. I can't." Mm-hmm. Which is what what I was referring to before when I said that's Locke. You know, don't tell me what I can't do. Mm-hmm. Locke is finally admitting what he can't do, which he's not the hunter. He's not. 
he's the farmer and the farmer needs the hunter mm-hmm. and so that's lot that's the answer here like you're never going to get ahead as just the farmer on your own you need the other uh that's lost answer to this um mm-hmm. and so don't tell me what i can't do throughout the series is Locke resisting the help that he really actually needs. He needs someone to tell him he can't do, you can't do it, but I can. Mm -hmm. And so I can help you. And I love how this episode, the most unlikely guy to help Locke is Sawyer. (laughs) Yeah. So we get it here. Anyway. It's, it's really amazing how like the pieces of this whole thing fit together so perfectly. The idea of like, you know, a few episodes ago, how crazy would it be if the others brought Locke's dad to the island? You know, like, yeah, how mentally insane would that be for Locke? And then if if they say he needs to kill him to move on, but what if the twist is that, you know, he can't do it, but it's just perfect that, like, Sawyer's one thing in his whole life has been he wants to exact revenge, like, vengeance on this one guy. And so they can just, like, help each other out in this one episode. You know, it's just, it's nuts. But, um, but yeah, I love that. Like, and I've always loved something about um, Terry O'Quinn's performance in that scene where he suddenly just kind of explodes because I can't, I can't, I can't do it, you know. Um, I've always just thought that was like so effectively kind of manic almost because it's like he's finally admitting to someone else like, you know, this is the thing I can't do, (laughs) you know, Um, and it's kind of a powerful moment because it's like he's not wanted to say it out loud, but he has to. He literally has to in order to get Sawyer to you know, pull the knife away, but also, um, to go with him. Um, yeah, it's just a, just an effective scene. I do, you know, like, like you were saying earlier, I also love this scene for the, there's something just kind of beautiful about the moment where he, you know, Sawyer says like, he's like, what else was in the file? Kind of wondering like, how much do you know about me? And and Locke immediately goes to like the biggest thing saying, you know, well, it didn't say where your dad <laughs> killed your mother and killed himself. You know, like it's just kind of a beautiful moment because he's like, yeah, I know about that. That must have been hard for you. Um, and not just saying like, you know, didn't that mess you up or didn't, you know, like, or, you know, or whatever, you know, but just kind of saying like, like, that must have been hard, you know, kind of acknowledging, like, I'm, I'm sorry that, that you have not been free your whole life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's an element in this of confession, like, mm. like Locke, as you say, he confesses to what he can't do finally. Like, yeah. All this time he's sort of been saying, yes, I can overcome uh, you know, I can be the hunter. I can actually do this, but he can't. And what Sawyer, he's trying to help Sawyer, like, come to terms or, like, find, admit, for one thing, that he killed the man in Sydney 
And Sawyer says, no, the files got their facts wrong. Sawyer can, is deflecting. Mm. Um, the fact, it, there's just little things throughout, like Locke is, he's he's doing here something that we haven't seen him do actually since season one, really. Where, yeah. you know, he, he interacted with like Charlie and he mm-hmm. interacted with Shannon and he said, you know, everyone gets a second chance on this island. You know, you need to move forward. And he's he's bringing these things up to try to do that mm-hmm. again. That's when Locke was at his best, remember? And we actually yeah. get to see him doing that again here. Um, and he's and the fact that he's calling him James like he always has. And Sawyer still doesn't want to be called James. He's he's trying to help him come to terms with that so that he can finally do the thing that, you know, this is the thing that you need to do mm-hmm. here. Um, so it's kind of beautiful in that way. So Locke is helping Sawyer here throughout mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. And like in the next scene where he's, you know, uh, kind of bringing up the, you know, like the, well, Sawyer, I guess, uh, brings up, you know, what you read in that file about the guy in yeah. Sydney. I thought he was someone else, you know. Um, I didn't mean to kill him. Um, and Locke says, well, who do you mean to kill? You know, and then Sawyer just deflects, you know, are we almost there? It's mm-hmm. it's cool how, I mean, it just feels, again, it feels so obvious in yeah. retrospect seeing like, well, Locke is priming Sawyer to you know remember like oh this is what i was just you know 80 days ago or whatever it is at this point you know like i thought i was killing the guy who you know uh ruined my life um and so he's like he's bringing all of this up to keep that fresh in sawyer's mind so that he's ready when he gets there mm-hmm. and in that Which moment is, we see it yeah go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, like, which is cool because Sawyer kind of says, like, are you going to give me a heads up about what he's there to say? And then Sawyer, or Locke, kind of does without him knowing it, you know, but. Yeah. Yep. Um, And in that moment, yeah, that scene, the little scene, we we see kind of a progression, like Sawyer admitting finally, yeah, I killed him, but I thought he was Mm -hmm. someone else. I didn't mean to kill him. Um, Sawyer kind of coming to terms with, yes, I did kill a man. Um, and I think Locke's line, who'd you mean to kill? There's an element in this episode of, you know, we're coming to the climax of, so- of Sawyer, mm-hmm. like Sawyer, because he has many, di- he has different names. We have Sawyer, we have James, eventually that the floor. But yeah. Who'd you mean to kill is you mean to kill Sawyer. Like yeah. Locke is trying to orient him correctly because he has become Sawyer but he's trying to remind him that you know you took the name so that you could you you probably shouldn't have taken the name because you became Sawyer yeah you need to kill Sawyer Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what he's trying to do there subtly and like you said Locke is a genius in this episode he subtly leads him on on the way perfectly to the destination yeah. And speaking of the destination, yes, we finally find out it's the Black Rock. Woo, crazy. We're back here in the pirate ship in the middle of the jungle. Um, so amazing. Cool. Um, 
yeah, it's fine. Oh, there's dynamite there and everything. We go through it and all that. Um, not really much to, I don't know, not really much to say about that whole scene, but until finally Locke locks him in the room. And uh, mm-hmm. what I do, what I do want to talk about for a brief moment is when Rousseau comes in. Uh, oh, yeah. In the next scene. I, I, I first when this happened, I, I'd forgotten about it completely. And I'm like, oh, oh, well, that was kind of random until you remember like this actually does have some significance for a future episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like how they just randomly put it in there that you're going, oh, hey, French chick. Well, I wonder that was kind of random. I wonder if that's going to pay off some point. And it does. <laughs> At first, I thought that didn't pay off at all, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, no, they do. They're, they're more clever than that." Um, Even if it didn't, though, it's one of those things where it's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. She's always setting up traps all around the island." So, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. I love the line. Be careful; it's unstable. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's unstable, dude. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. But that brings us to these two incredible scenes uh, with Sawyer in the room with Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, just phenomenal, these scenes, and so emotional. Um, I didn't expect to get emotional, with, but when it finally pays off at the climax there, there's just something about that moment that's just, it's overwhelming, mm. and it's, yeah, it's just, there's something there. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll get to that in a minute. First, let's talk about the dialogue here. Um, where Anthony said, once again, presents the the idea that it's a little hot for heaven, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and gives presents that idea to Sawyer. And so... The idea, bringing that that sub theme back up, that this is hell, um, <laughs> where they are, this island. Um, you could look at it that way, and I think some characters do look at it that way, um, and like this is a place where you get your just judgment for what you've done in your life, and you know, Sawyer, I think has has to kind of wrestle with that here. Um, And the fact that he brings it back up at the end of the scene, I guess we'll just mention it when he's, when he actually finally does the deed and choke, Mm. you know, wraps the chain around his neck and says, you want to go to hell? You Mm want to, you really want to go because Anthony clearly does Mm. and that's the the, we see the kind in anthony sort of the trajectory of the manipulator character like where like a ben linus could go where a sawyer could go ultimately where you're finally just apathetic about it just like well yeah this is who i am this is what i do Mm -hmm. i'm the con man um, and so I think Sawyer presented with that here has a choice, like right, right then and there, like, do you 
just accept it mm. or do you do something about it and mm-hmm. as we see he does something about it so yeah yeah it's interesting because i thought the whole the whole like anthony thinking he's in hell storyline is so interesting because um he seems to be like you know like he's panicking when he's got the uh gag on like everything over his head and stuff um but then like otherwise i think the fact i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into that storyline but uh i feel like it's the first time i watched this episode i was like why on earth would he tear up the letter before finishing it like obviously that's gonna enrage sawyer but he thinks he's already dead you know like he thinks (laughs) he kind of i think he thinks that he's got nothing left to lose like he can't die twice you know and so he's just frustrated with this guy and doesn't think you know doesn't think he did anything wrong you know and that's part of why he's such a despicable character you know um but he tears up the letter and then yeah it's a it's a very effective uh line reading from josh holloway the you know you want to go to hell thing um but yeah just like the both of these scenes building up to that are so like though those two scenes to me are like the centerpiece of the episode and where the whole thing really comes together because like they so effectively give them space and the weight that they should have because this is a climactic moment for both Sawyer and Locke but ultimately Sawyer in the scene um but like I love how they move from like Sawyer learning oh this is Locke's dad oh he thinks that we're dead um oh he threw him out a window like all of this stuff they effectively move him through there to the uh arrival of like oh he's a con man and then like the the light bulb moment for sawyer wait a minute is this why i'm here like Locke knows about my past this guy's a con man what's your name and just like the I don't know. I've just always thought that was like one of the coolest cut to commercial breaks ever. Like, you know, how about that? Sawyer's my name too. You know, like, oh, that's just the best way to do it. You know, not, not just to have him surprised or anything, but to have him kind of smile a little bit like, oh, Sawyer's my name too. You know, like that's just, just awesome. (laughs) Yep. It's a great progression. Yeah. Um, And you mentioning, how he finds out that, you know, Anthony threw him out a window. Mm-hmm. Um, in that line, I'm just looking at it right now, and we also see an element of apathy there, or an element of just callousness that we also see in Ben Linus, where he says, you know, I conned him into giving me one of his kidneys, and he never got over it. Kind of like, just flip it. He's sort of like, I mean, get over it, John. Like, <laughs> who gets over that? <laughs> um, but, and I think Sawyer sees that and goes, Okay, this guy sucks. Um, I don't want to become this guy. And then realizing, yeah, like you're saying, you know, this isn't hell because, well, clearly there's an element of I'm meant to be here. Like you're saying, like I'm, I'm. There, there's, there's something 
when he realizes it puts two and two together and Sawyer's my name too. Huh. Um, there's hope here um, as opposed to being stuck. So, yeah, the, when they finally get into the letter um, and Anthony realizing, did you take my name because you're on some kind of revenge kick? Like getting a little miffed at him for it. Um, this moment, though, where they finally get to the con, his parents and everything. He says, look, I ran that con two dozen times. If your mother was one of the... And then Sawyer's saying, Mary. Her name was Mary. Is such, such a moment. Because I think in that moment, we see why Sawyer is so, doesn't use people's real name. Like, he's taken on a name for himself, but he doesn't use anyone else's real name. Because it's too painful to say, so, he finally says, hurt his mother's real name. And I think that it's sort of like a, a coping mechanism because, you know, his mother was, her name was Mary. Um, I love that, and that it's such. He says it with such meaning there, so well spoken by Josh Holloway. Um, and then his Anthony Cooper's response, where he says, "Mary from Jasper, Alabama. Yeah, I remember her. She practically begged me to take her thirty-eight thousand dollars and to rescue her from her sorry little life," which echoes what. Ben Linus was saying to Locke where he says, you'll stay, still be that same sad, pathetic little man. Um, and it points to the fact that these manipulators, they, they prey upon, it's, it's one of the most despicable things you could do where you prey upon like a, a John Locke who believes or a Mary who believed in something so much greater um, and she wanted something so much greater and she was manipulated into thinking she could get it from him. Um, and that, that's what they do. They, they prey on the susceptible. So, uh, yeah, it, it's despicable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I have a, another line reading from this episode that has always stuck with me is uh, as very effective is uh the actor who plays cooper mm -hmm. um when he's reading the letter and you know he he suddenly is just like he pauses and is like blah 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 blah, blah. you know and yeah the way he he kind of even smiles as he says it where it's like he's just completely dismissing the whole thing um and i feel like that then leading up to Sawyer saying like Mary, her name was Mary is so effective because Anthony is dismissing that he has affected any people at all. Like mm -hmm. that, that his actions have had any sort of consequences. Um, and Sawyer saying his mother's name is in effect, like saying like she was a person that yeah. you harmed, 
you know, um, she's, she's dead because of what you did, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, just like the humanity of that is, is so, uh, effectively communicated with, um, him just dismissing the, the guy's letter that he's carried with him his whole life with blah, 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 blah. And then him saying like, her name was Mary, you know, and, and you need to finish the letter and all of that stuff. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so it all climaxes in that incredible moment. Like I said, this one gets me for some reason. Just it's just the harshness of the way it's directed mm -hmm. and everything, and just that, and just just kind of you feel the the sort of like the way Josh Holloway plays it, and just like the the finish it, you know, like yeah, just the the incredible animal energy he brings to this, where he just finally unleashes and just goes after this guy. And you want to go to hell. You really want to go to hell. I'll send. So you get what you you get what you want. Um, mm -hmm. It's such an effective moment. But I think even more effective is afterward. Yeah. When finally, he lets go. And just the strangeness of Locke opening the door and just these two guys looking at each other. Yeah. Um, and then thank you. And and so this is what this moment kind of sums up what I see as the point of flashbacks and the point of the island on Lost. It's that, yes, both of these guys, they have a past that they seem crippled in, that they seem just doomed to continue to repeat. Like Sawyer has become the confidence man. Locke has become the constantly manipulated. And the point of the island is to bring them together. And the point of the mm -hmm. island is to bring these two types that seem like they're they're opposed, like they could never, like the hunter and the farmer, and they can help each other. Mm -hmm. It's just the strange miracle of, and that's that's the answer. Like that's like Locke was never going to get a, be free from the manipulator until he could take he could find another guy who had been you know, tormented by the manipulator in a different way and they can mm -hmm. actually use what seems like his vice for good. So mm -hmm. it, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like in the next scene, uh, I feel like it sums it up well when yeah. Sawyer says, why did you do this? And he says, he ruined my life and he ruined yours and he had it and coming. Had it coming. Yep. Very succinctly put. And that's exactly it. Like, yep. We both had our lives ruined, but we can heal together. Um, and I think, and it's such a, yeah, such a great moment, like you're saying, like this episode and self-contained sort of is mm -hmm. such a, it's, it's, it's up, I mean, it's an uplifting lock episode, if you can believe it. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, crazy. And an uplifting Sawyer episode, which, yeah, we really haven't had that, that, that either. And it would be even more uplifting if Locke didn't then say, all right, now you go tell the camp. I'm on my own journey now. Yeah. And now we get to say it finally in a lock episode. It wouldn't be a lock episode if we didn't get to say, John, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, you just, you're free. You're free, John. You're free from your father. And you just got to experience healing with this guy who just 
it seems like the two the odd couple frankly you got to experience mm-hmm. the miracle of the island and what is his answer to all of it well you know now i'm gonna go back to ben linus like now i'm gonna go back and hopefully he's gonna help me figure out the answers to the island i think you just figured out the answer to the island john i do That's wonder why we're here <laughs> anyway i do wonder what Locke is thinking as he's carrying his father's body like i wonder if he's thinking you know like you know got to figure out what ben is going to show me or if he's well i don't know i it'll be interesting going into the next episodes thinking about Mm -hmm. who whose voice is he thinking about more ben's or richard's because richard you know like says like we want to change you know like some of us want to change and so, like, maybe he's thinking of, like, you know, I just want to see a change as well, you know, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it is kind of a what do you do one moment, but still. I mean, Locke wants to take charge, as we'll see in the next episode. He wants to, like, he's going after Ben full brunt. He's like, I'm not taking any of your crap anymore. We're going to do this. You're going to show me all the answers. Yeah. But it's Ben Linus. Just mm-hmm. stay away from him, John. That's but true. can't himself to do it yeah um and so and and just the line i'm on my own journey now is so antithetical to everything that as you say when characters go off on their own nothing good happens on this show you need to be Mm -hmm. if you can't live together we're gonna die alone and Locke just seems to still think that he needs to do this on his own even though he just found out that to make progress you need other people you Mm -hmm. need people with you so yeah a good point i will say Locke uh once again has a pretty pretty cool moment when yeah. he's like juliet's a mole and he's like well they're not gonna believe me they'll believe you now because yeah, somehow yeah, yeah. i stole this stole tape recorder <laughs> and they do explain that in the episode very subtly where he sees him put it in the top drawer of the dresser so and oh nice ben's tent so he knew it was in that drawer somehow he got in there and got the tape recorder well ben wasn't looking but um See, Locke is yeah. doing great in this episode. He's doing and great. Then, yeah. And then he gets, like, I think, I just, so even though Locke's going off on his own journey, this moment, I think, caps it off for Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Because Sawyer says, is it true that they threw you out a window, that he threw you out a window? That you were a cripple? Yeah. And Locke looks at him and says, not anymore and then he drops the mic and walks walks away but just that moment i equate it to in doc actually it made me think of doc when sun at the end kind of looks up after she's experienced the miracle that it's Jin's baby Mm. kind of looks up at the island and kind in wonder like Mm. this sells it for sawyer like okay this is a place where miracles happen like, he mm-hmm. hasn't been thinking it this whole time because he's been too blinded by being Sawyer. But he's not Sawyer anymore. We should probably just start calling him James now. Yeah. Um, he, he's moving that way anyway. But, like, holy crap. This is actually literally a place where miracles happen. Yeah. Um, and I just experienced something incredible in my life. And now I just got to process. I got, I got a lot to ponder. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good stuff. So at least Sawyer now, as we see, like we say, I love his trajectory throughout the rest of the, I mean, through the series. They think he has one of the best character arcs 
and we're seeing it, you know, start to bloom here. Um, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say that I don't, I don't think I made the connection before with the, just the two lines where someone uses the word cripple in them, you know, like Ben earlier saying like, you're still crippled by your past. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, Sawyer being able to say like that you were a cripple and he says not anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what, to me, one of my favorite final like lines of an episode of lost. It's just such a cool, um, way that the whole episode is tied together with these two guys having this moment where suddenly like Sawyer realizes something about Locke's past that is mind boggling. Um, and then Sawyer or Locke is able to just say like, yep, but it's not true anymore. You know, and Sawyer thinks he's just talking about he can walk, but he's Hmm. free. Um, these two guys are finally free from the thing that has kept them crippled for their whole lives. Um, yeah, it's just a, just a great ending. And yet I know it to be a downer, but yet, and that Locke still has to, the, the moment where Locke goes back and grabs his yeah. father's body and then looks back at it, the anguish on his face, like mm, that, that's the true. moment that I just, it catches me every time. I'm like, wow, he looks sad. Like, mm. And it, it's it's emphasizing the point that yes, this is happy, but it's also not like because it's lost. Yeah. So it's got to be, you know, Locke is free, but yet still he has to carry his dead father's body because Ben Linus told him to. So he's still under yeah. the thumb of a manipulator, even though he's not. Um, Locke can't be free right away. He's going to be free eventually. But um, Locke's story not. is is always a tragedy. Yeah. You know, even in the even in the highest points, there's always kind of like that shadow over it in, in a way. Um, but, um, man, he's got such a, such a beautifully tragic story. I feel like, you know, it's just because it gets you, you know, you feel it, uh, every time, but yeah. Poor Locke. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully nothing bad happens to him in the next episode. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, (laughs) doesn't end well. All right, but for now, we'll just leave him to carry the father's dead body and hope nothing bad happens to him. Anyway, so that's the brig. That's the episode. Nothing else happened. Wait. Oh, yeah, there was some other stuff. Should we talk about it? My goodness. I think we have to. You know what? I would say go to a break, but I feel like we can just knock this out before. Let's just... So, other stuff happens in this episode. Um... Naomi, uh, Hurley and Charlie and Desmond, you know, they've, they've got, and Jen, got Naomi mm-hmm. in the tent, um, pretending that uh, they're going to go pee when really they're taking care of um, Naomi, and they don't know if they can trust Jack. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the thing I'll, I'll say about the, these scenes, yeah. because what permeates these scenes is sort of a... Um, a paranoia and a lack of trust that is kind of, you know, we've seen throughout the group. I think mm-hmm. it relates to the brig in that this is kind of what happens when we're starting, when we can't live together and we're mm-hmm. starting to fracture and go off. We're, we're starting to fact form factions and, mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, nothing, nothing good comes to that. So I guess that's, that's what you can kind of say here. Cause clearly you can't trust Jack. I mean, come on. You feel like you can trust Saeed more than Jack and mm-hmm. Saeed. Then we get Saeed coming into the tent with Naomi and being all paranoid. Like, yeah, you guys, you, you, you weren't, you weren't from the ship. You were another, um, mm-hmm. It's just a lot of cynicism and paranoia that's permeating the group, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, yeah, like kind of the whole theme of these uh these scenes is yeah, who who can we trust? Um, how can we how can we play this the right way to get off the island? Because like as Desmond says, you know, like she she could be our way off this island, but like we can't we can't risk compromising that, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, do you really, really trust Jack after he spent 10 days with the others and everything? Um, and so it's interesting to me that the end of the, this storyline in the episode is Kate telling Jack mm-hmm. and then Jack and Juliet um, immediately saying, oh, well, we, we can't tell her yet about our secret you know (laughs) um which is an interesting cliffhanger to leave us with you know that um kind of the question of the episode is can we still trust jack and then we're left with jack being like uh no we can't tell kate about that we gotta go you know and um so it's an interesting question for us to be left with like what's going on with those two you know yeah jack is like forsaking his mantra that he told them all about like if we can't live together we're gonna die alone in a way Mm -hmm. he's like he's he's sort of like you know what screw them trusting me i'm gonna do all this stuff i i know what's best like i Mm -hmm. i i can do this alone well with juliet but i mean you know away from the group um and it's all gonna be fine it's not mm-hmm. going to hurt my relationship with any of these people. <laughs> like, like uh, Jack, Jack is so dead set on leaving the island that uh, he's, you know, forgotten that you have to live together too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of sad in that way. Although he does ask Charlie to invite him next time That's they're going to do some male bonding camping. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, there is that, but, um, you know, I think he's just making nice small talk, you know, I don't think yeah, you're, yeah, you're probably right I think if they asked him to go camping, Jack would get all burnt out really quick and say, I can't do it. I can't, I gotta go I gotta <laughs> run into the jungle. My dad's over there. And uh, they'd be like, well, that's, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll just go on our own, and Jen will tell more scary stories. Um, oh man, good times. Good times. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's much else to say about these scenes. Um, oh, actually, there is. Okay, so I want to go back to the Saeed scene with Naomi, because mm-hmm. um, I do think they redeem themselves, the writers here, mm-hmm. um, with in this. And this because they, they very subtly indicate in in Naomi's dialogue, she indicates that she was piloting the helicopter. Yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. you got that. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of like, okay, all right, well, that works. Okay. So she was on a solo helicopter flight. For some reason, just her. She just went alone. Still doesn't quite work. Still 
I mean, and yeah. And they had two helicopters apparently, so I don't know. It still doesn't work, but it works a little better. Yeah. Um, a little better. Yeah. Yeah, and they that's also, a good point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they also introduced the idea that it's Penny's boat. Um, mm-hmm. just, so I hope it is actually Penny's boat. That'd be cool if Penny, you know, is the one organizing this and then Desmond gets to see Penny and everything. And, uh, it'd be yeah. great if it were, you know. Yeah, I hope that's what we find out at the end of the season. Like Penny's boat, and it's Penny, and we're all good. Penny's right? Penny's boat. That they're gonna arrive on it, and they're gonna say, "This is Penny's boat," right? Yeah, Charlie's gonna be so excited he writes it on his hand. And he's like, "Penny's boat." <laughs> I think that's how it. I remember Charlie writing something on his hand, if I remember correctly. So. I think oh no, I'm starting to have memories of what happens. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Well, I guess we'll have to find out if these memories are true or not. But for now, I think we can close the book on the brig unless you have anything else about the episode. Uh, what do you have to say, Harrison Ford? You guys are a couple of nerds. Dang it, Harrison Ford. I really liked you in your movies, but you're kind of harsh and my mellow <laughs> right now. I wanted to talk about loss, dang it. I don't care what you think, Harrison Ford. I like talking about Lost for over ninety minutes, and that's what I—that's what I do for fun. So, yeah, get off of my plane, old man. Oh, oh, he's asleep. Yeah, he's an old guy, so he just—we oh, okay, bored him. All right, yeah, so. we bored him to death. All right, not death. He's not dead. Um, no, we bored him. Of course not. No. Yes. What if? What if this? What if we put out this episode? Like, what if Harrison Ford dies and then we put out the episode? <laughs> this Between would be a, this the would time be we horrible taste. And that I know. could happen because this isn't coming out for a couple weeks. So, I literally just had that thought <laughs> before you said that. Like, how terrible would it be if we're mentioning him so much in this episode for no reason at all? Yeah, we're really taking a risk here, but uh, I guess we're going to have to do some very selective editing if this happens. So, uh, <laughs> there's going to be large chunks of this episode that are just taken out. Um, or we'll leave it in. Who cares? Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, so the Brig, uh, I'll just conclude by saying, yes, this is definitely top five. This might be number one. I don't know. Could be um, in my book. Just a fantastic episode. Memorable. Yeah. Tremendous and innovative for sure mm-hmm. on the part of the lost writers. So well done. Well done, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I am already sure it will be at least in the top five of the season. Uh, I think I, I was looking at my rankings for all the episodes so far and, and it's, I think it might be my top episode of season three so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I always do a little bit of editing at the end once I see them all mm-hmm. next to each other, but yeah, it's going to be at the top. So, See, you're very organized with your thing. I haven't even thought about what my ranking's going to be, so um, your ranking's going to be ver- more accurate than mine. Mine's just going to be how I feel on a particular day. So I I got the whole the whole spreadsheet going, you know. But well, nice. All right, well that'll wrap it up for this week. We'll turn our attention to oh that dastardly old Ben Linus and the episode of Man Behind the Curtain. Ooh, I hate that guy so much. Oh, I want to <laughs> kick his little butt. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from, but just that's okay. It's from from deep within you. I understand. Yeah. I don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs>
I really don't like that guy. It's my hot take on Ben Linus. Do not like him. But maybe wow. the flashback episode will make me like him more. Hmm. Maybe it'll make him hmm. sympathetic. We'll see. We will certainly see. We'll see. But uh, thanks for talking lost with me, bro. Always a good time. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all for every, everyone out there for listening. Um, and I guess all that's left to say is we will see you in another episode. Brothers. Bye. Bye-bye.